Our minds are so powerful that what we focus on reverberates through every aspect of our lives. So why not see what happens when we put our attention on all the good things people are doing? Join me for the good with Teresa G as we start a ripple effect by focusing on all the greatness in the world. Angela Marie Patnode is a transformational coach, a spiritual teacher, and a healer. Angela helps clients break free of anxiety, illness, and stress so they may live with more clarity, peace, and passion. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. It's great to be here. I have to tell everyone how I met you. Um, was was quite um, serendipitous. I was in my sauna. I always get some amazing thoughts in the sauna. And that day, I realized I had to get a meditation meditation teacher. And I don't know why I tried to meditate and I just never have really had fallen through with it and um, had trouble with it. And so that day I got out of the sauna and I Googled meditation classes um, and your name popped up and it just so happened that you were starting a class that very day. Um, and so I called you and I started the class and I, I took so much from that class because, uh, you know, now I meditate every day. It's part of my practice. And I have you to thank for that. And um, one of the things out of many things that I took from that class that really stuck with me was that one of the assignments you gave us was to not engage in bad news porn for a week and come back and report to you how that felt. And that was so huge for me when I went home and I started seeing how much I'm exposed to bad news through social media, through just even me calling my friend and say, do you hear what happened to so-and-so? Um, and then, of course, the news and the newspaper. And it just really uh, left a, a dent in me. And, and ever since then, I'm so much more aware of what I expose myself to. And I have to say that, you know, the good with Teresa G, that our whole focus is focusing on the good in life. And I think that that, that seed you planted when you gave us that homework was just amazing for me. And I would love for you to go in more detail about it. Yeah, I would be happy to share more of that. And another word for it, as some people call it tragedy porn, and it's something that we're so exposed to every day and such such a part of our conversations, we don't even notice that we're in it. And like your experience, just to bring that awareness to it, notice that you're involved in conversations about what's latest on the news or who's doing what or what tragedy happened to this person or that person in your life, that that brings your energy down and it tends to close the heart and it's junk food. It's literally junk food for the ego to feed on. And it keeps us in a state of survival and a state of fear. Uh, and it doesn't allow us to, bring, to be our highest self. And we can easily shift that by not engaging in it, by not exposing ourselves to it more than is healthy and your inner guidance is going to tell you when you start to feel a, a heaviness in your chest that means you're you're too much it's too much you're taking in too much visually or you're taking in too much from the auditory 
or engaging in conversation in it. And it's not helpful. So uh, I tell folks that engage in it so that you can be active in change in this world in the environment or with uh, social justice, but not it be your primary focus all the time because that will greatly impact your joy, your happiness, and your peace. And that is, is that why you suggest for a lot of your clients not to read the news and watch the news? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it doesn't mean we stick our hand, head in the sand and pretend it's not happening uh, because we need people to be active, especially right now in our political climate. And we can also temper that and have healthy boundaries for ourselves and our hearts and our minds, because what we read, what we listen to, is what goes into our subconscious mind that affects us on a very deep level, much more than we might even be aware of. So it's a really important piece of our path if we're going to be moving towards an awaken and an open heart and an open way of living and feeling more at peace, feeling more joy in our life. That's one of the key pieces that we can do. And I, I love it. It's made a huge difference in my life. That's for sure. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got started on this path of teaching meditation and coaching? And Yep, I'd love to. So when, uh, when I was early on in my 20s, uh, I had a very closed heart, I would call it that. It was very closed. I closed it when I was about six years old, which I uh, kind of come to learn is very common for us as humans. We experience something early on and we close our hearts so we don't get hurt again. And so I closed my heart and uh, I left any kind of spiritual practice behind uh, growing up Catholic. I left the church when I was 16 and I became, I didn't know it at the time, but, it, but I became a, an atheist. I was like, there is no God. And I, you know, we just born and we're live and we die and that's it. And life felt, <laughs> life felt somewhat empty, like not somewhat, it felt empty on the inside, even though I was having joy and laughter and I was going on all these worldly adventures. There was some, there was definitely a big piece that was missing for me during that time in my life. And when I was 32, uh, I began one morning with some pretty intense anxiety in my chest that I'd never had before. And I didn't know what it was. And I thought cleaning the room, cleaning the house would help it go away. Um, and three weeks later, I had a panic attack. I'd never had one of those before. I'd never heard of one. And I was lying on the floor, hyperventilating, crying my eyes out sobbing and this voice says you need to get help and that was a big turning point for me because I was not someone to ask for help I was not someone who needed help um, I was out to prove myself and to show the world what I could do and be as strong as a man and here I was lying on the floor completely out of control out of sorts thought I was going crazy and that was the moment that my heart started to break open and say, you can't keep living like this with a closed heart. It's not your path. It's not working for you. And at that time, I was in a relationship 
that I wanted it to be right. Um, and it wasn't right, but I kept trying it. I kept staying in it. And for several months, more months, the anxiety continued to get worse and continued to get more intense. And I tried anti-anxiety meds. I tried antidepressants. I lost the will to live. I remember just lying on the couch without any drive for life. I just wanted it all to be over. And I, what was happening is I would kept ignoring the voice, the internal voice that's told me to leave the relationship, and I wanted it to work so bad. And yeah, yeah, finally, nine months after that panic attack happened, I finally had the courage to listen to that inner voice. And I listened to the voice, and within three days of ending that relationship, the anxiety completely went away, and I started to become me for the first time really in my life, like authentic me, a me with a heart that started to open up. I think that for some people, this might just blow them away that you're, you were having anxiety because of you were in a relationship that wasn't feeding your spirit or wasn't right for your spirit at the time. But so anxiety can be a sign. It can be a symptom that there needs to be change instead of something that maybe we need to put a Band-Aid on or, I mean, for some people, I think that could be, um, you know, I would never sit and think, oh, I'm anxious because I'm not happy in my relationship, <laughs> you know? Totally. <laughs> so that's, that's like, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And what you just spoke to, Teresa, is, with the anxiety is there's actually what I've discovered. I'm going to do a little side note here is what I've discovered is that there's two types of anxiety. There's the anxiety, and this is my own personal experiences. There's anxiety that I experience that is my intuition saying, stop what you're trying to do because it's not in line with your truth or your intuition. It's trying to bring me back to center. Um, and then there's the other anxiety that comes from fear. Hmm. It's okay. a different physical feeling that I have. It's different emotional feeling I have. Um, but that may be for either further in the podcast or another podcast to talk about that piece. Um, how to tell yeah, the difference. how to tell the difference and how to follow that. And I also have it written out in my ebook that I have on my website. Um, the ebook titled From Anxiety to Peace, Three Simple Steps to Heart-Centered Meditation Practice. And in there, you can read about those different, two different types of anxiety and how I approach those and working with those. Yeah. Okay, great. Because that's, that's really important. You know, that's really important because there's anxiety so common today. So to be able to tell the difference between whether it's your internal guidance or if it is fear is, that's a huge key. I think. It is. It is. It's, it's very important. Yep. Okay, so you, let's go back to your story. I'm sorry. for um, So you were, let's see, you had, you had left him and you started to, your heart center started to yep, open up. Yeah, and I was seeking different answers, reading books on Buddhism. I was trying to find information on intuition because I knew when the anxiety went away that fast that it was related to my intuition and me not listening to that intuitive voice for so 
long. I mean, it was probably a couple years that it had been speaking to me. Um, and so I couldn't find much on intuition, but I found a few nuggets and then I started being drawn to Buddhism and meditation for the first time. And I felt called to learn to meditate. So given my personality, that is the all or nothing personality, I signed up for a 10 day silent retreat, never having meditated before. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, that's jumping (laughs) right on in. (laughs) (laughs) And I, um, so I go on this 10 day meditation retreat about three months after the anxiety stopped and the relationship ended and all that. And I walk in with it like a deer in headlights, like, oh my God, what did I get into? What am I, what did I sign up for? This is crazy. But my intuition said, God, this is right. You need to be here. Because you can't talk at all for 10 days. You don't talk at all. You can't talk at all. And <laughs> and also, it's probably the strictest meditation retreat you could possibly do in the entire world. <laughs> like 10 hours a day oh of sitting and no eye contact, no talking, no yoga, no exercise. You could walk some on the walking path they have, um, which I did circles around. I was nicknamed the walker, I was told after. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, whatever it takes to get through, because honestly, I don't know that I could do that. I just don't know that I could do that. Well, we can do anything we want to, right? That's what I, I'm going to do this. I'm such an active person. I'm always out hiking and biking, blah, blah, blah. But my heart was calling me like, you need to do this. And And that calling is what helped me see through the beliefs that I couldn't do it. And I was at this retreat and I was walking my tush off anytime I queen sitting there. (laughs) Yeah. I would have been walking with you. (laughs) And uh, in the first three days, I was told if you could just make it through the first three days, you'll get through the retreat. Like, okay, good. So the third day comes and I make it through after wanting to leave numerous times. And I stay through the fourth day and the fifth day, and I'm like, all right, I'm home free. And then the sixth day, day, and then the eighth day, mm-hmm. and the eighth day, and this anxiety started to build, like getting stronger and stronger. I'm like, what is this about? I all oh, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, you would think the opposite, you know, the teachers and she says, oh, that's, that's uh, Sankara, which means the the stuff, the energy, the emotions from the past that are coming up that want to be released. And it was the first time I'd heard about that. Now I call it or another teacher I know calls it spiritual draino. Meditation is spiritual draino. It's like, when we sit, it allows everything to get flushed out. (laughs) And so that's what was happening at that time for me. And so she goes, you just need to go have a good cry. And I said, okay. So I walked outside and had a good cry and I felt such peace. I felt so amazing after that. And I, I left the retreat after 10 days and felt the deepest peace I'd ever felt in my life. And that was really the, the first big spiritual experience once I moved through the anxiety piece, which was also really transformative. Like that was the transformation that began it all was that panic attack on the floor. And 
coming out of that meditation retreat, I knew I was different. I knew I was on this different path. Yet I had a lot of my old tendencies of wanting to prove myself. And so I navigated that for a few years and meditated off and on here and there, but I was never really committed to it and wandered off into other sexy things in my life, you know, jobs overseas and um, playing outside and um, fun things and and then um, I was on this call, like, God, I know I'm meant for something more in my life. Uh, I've been leading trips in the mountains for many years, which I loved, but I also knew I wanted to serve the world in a deeper way. And I just kept calling and asking, and what is that? And I was frustrated at times and angry at times and depressed at times, looking for an answer to this. And there was a teacher that came through my town uh, of Bozeman, Montana, that uh, he was coming through to give a weekend retreat. And he uh, gave this non-residential retreat. And I went to this retreat thinking, well, what else do and what else am I going to do with my life? I might as well go to a retreat. <laughs> and I go to this retreat and he says at the end of the retreat, I'm offering this two-year program for anyone that's interested. I have two spots available. And when I was sitting with him over this weekend, he was the most clear teacher I'd ever experienced, like such clarity in his words. And there was something inside me that said, I want to work with this person. And what? And what's his name again? Matthew Flickstein. Okay. Yeah. And... He uh, he was offering this program. And again, I said, well, I don't know what else to do with my life. I might as well do this program. <laughs> and, um, and so I signed up for the program. And he was so passionate about his teachings. And he gave us teachings every week. Uh, he was based in Virginia. And he'd send us teachings every week that we practice. And he'd say, you need to meditate for 20 minutes today. And I'd be like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> that's a long time to start off with the 20 minutes. It doesn't seem that long, but I loved how you, you know, you let us start with like five minutes or maybe even less. I don't remember, but it was such a nice way to ease into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I still start clients and classes like five minutes a day. And this um, 20 minutes a day, I'm like, Oh my God. But I had signed up for this program. So uh, I I started with that first month, and I noticed shifts, big shifts happening within me in that first month. What kind of shifts? I started to feel happy. I started to feel a sense of ease um, just in that first month. And he would have us write these, uh, what would you call it, reflections at the end of each month of what we were experiencing from the teachings and the meditation. And I remember after the first month, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll just write a couple sentences. And I sent it off to him and he wrote me immediately back. And he says, Angela, if you want to stay in this program, you need to take it seriously. <laughs> I got it <laughs> from my desk and I was like, how dare he? Yeah. Right. How dare he say that to me? You know, like I'm taking this seriously. Nah, nah, nah. And I was, <laughs> the ego. Like, the ego was fully in reactive mode. I'm stomping around my house. And then my inner wisdom says, 
he's totally right. And I went, oh, damn it. <laughs> I don't want him to be right. He's right. He's right. And so my wisdom, my higher self was like, this program is exactly right for you and take it seriously and do what he's asking. And so I did. I really committed to it after that. And I knew he was the perfect teacher because he was calling me on my old patterns. And uh, the next month I sent him this email with like three pages typed single space. All my reflections from the month. And he says his response was, thank you, much better. (laughs) And so I was fully committed to this program. And at the, we got teaching more and more teachings that were so transformative on aging, illness, and death, on gratitude, on compassion, on loving kindness, like all these things I never knew you could learn about. And the second year we had three week long retreats with him in Virginia and each retreat I remember the first one going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm leaving ski season. I love skiing. How can I be leaving skiing to go sit in silence? That seems so stupid. And I go off to go to this meditation retreat, and I have so much transformation over the week. I'm like, how can I not do this? This is amazing. This is so much better than skiing, and this is the best thing I could possibly be doing. And each retreat was more and more of a – a deeper look into my myself and my connection with what is of source. And by the third retreat, and this is to answer your question, how did you get into this coaching and teaching? I, at the third retreat, I sat down, it was the first morning in meditation, and I had what I can only describe as uh, a divine download where I, I, the way I can describe it in words, even though words don't really describe it, is it was like this portal open in the top of my head. And this, this information came through me of exactly what I was going to be doing, who I was serving, how the room was set up, the name of my business, what I was wearing, uh, what was in the room, um, a flip chart, a, a whiteboard, some chairs. Uh, it was in such incredible detail. I thought, what, where, I'm supposed to be meditating. What is going on? And it took me about 20, 30 minutes to, to settle down and just listen. And then when I realized what was happening, I started to take notes and write down what was coming through me. And three weeks later, I taught a workshop on authentic living when I returned home. Wow, three weeks. That is, that's fabulous. How quick you turned. Yeah. Completely got on board. Yeah, it was so clear. It was so clear. There was no doubt in my mind. And there was no room for doubt. It was such clarity. And from there, I started private coaching and teaching workshops and retreats and I had been teaching some meditation classes up to that point and continued with those and and expanded on those so that's how I came to be doing what I'm doing I love it and um it's interesting because I didn't realize that meditation you know you're you're letting go of your thoughts but it's also a time where amazing things can come to you 
Yes. Yeah. It can open up channels to this greater energy that we're all a part of, whether you call it oneness or source or grace or God. When we take the quiet time to be with that, and it doesn't necessarily mean our thoughts stop. Meditation is about shifting the relationship with thoughts, not stopping thoughts. But when we take that time to have moments of presence, not being present all the time, but when we have moments of presence, that space, even for a half a second while we're in now, that creates and can create the space for that connection to source. Um, something that I was just talking to my husband about the other day was that, you know, I listened to all these people um, across the world who are just doing amazing things and really just bright lights on the planet. I listened to them or watch them. And something that's really interesting and it's new, it's newer, is that most of them mention that meditation is part of their lives. All these people that I look up to, uh, meditation is becoming really something that a tool that people across the board are using. And I'm talking like, you know, top CEO. It's not, I feel like it used to have a connotation of a very spiritual person. Um, and it's just now it seems across the board, people are using meditation as a tool to calm them, to direct them, and to just empower them throughout their life. Yes. Have you noticed that, that it's becoming a lot more popular? Yeah, yeah. It's much more in the mainstream. And a lot more people are bringing it into their lives. And I would say, and this is my opinion, I would say it's more, it's needed more now than it ever has been with I agree. distractions of technology and uh, the busyness of people's lives that um, becomes, it can become an addiction. And that's what I was asking my husband. I said, so do you think that now, because we are so stimulated, um, so stimulated at all the time that we are actually, it's going to become a huge, a huge force to try to help everyone calm their minds, take them away from the stimulus so they can just be, you think that's going to be a huge thing that's going to have to have to happen with such a, when we live in a society that's just constantly stimulating our minds in all different directions. I, know that it has to come from the individual and people need it, but it also has to become, it has to come from that place of calling within, like what you experienced in the sauna of, I need to meditate that. Yes. The sauna. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my place. I always get the, I always get the stuff in the sauna. I swear. Exactly. Because you're in this place of presence in the sauna. It's, it's allowing you to relax and tune in. Right. And so when people have those moments, it's whether they listen to that voice, if they act on it. Right. And there's more and more people that are acting on that inner voice, that inner guidance of finding meditation. And they might find it through many different avenues. Meditation is in most traditions and it's also being taught outside of any kind of religious context. So you can do mindfulness based stress reduction you can do mindfulness for veterans. Uh, mindfulness is taught in yoga. Um, it, 
mindfulness talking. you can be mindful with everything you do or yeah yeah it's being taught it's being brought into the school systems now because there are there's over i think it's 75 proven benefits of meditation and not one side effect or detriment to it right and i think that that's pretty rare for things for us uh as humans that we can put that kind of stamp of approval if you want to call it that onto something do you uh work with younger kids have you ever done like a meditation class for younger ones i have not no i i wouldn't say working with children is my forte (laughs) (laughs) well that's good it's always good to know you know i uh i have to agree with you there because i worked with children for many years and now it's just not part of my plan anymore (laughs) but um yeah it's not my gift to this world (laughs) i have other so I want to talk about when I was taking the class from you, um, in the middle of the class, you, you started, you told the class that you were starting to suffer from some EMF sensitivities and that was sort of changing, um, the way you were interacting in the world. And I want you to sort of talk about that, mostly focusing on how you were able to work through that. Yes. That's a great question. I'm very passionate about that as well. I, yeah, I started to have EMF sensitivity. It happened overnight. And EMF stands for electromagnetic field sensitivity, which is the, the technology, when we use technology, computers, cell phones, Wi-Fi, laptops, iPads, all that stuff. It all emits this electromagnetic field. And my body became sensitive to it overnight. It literally happened in a 24-hour period after I'd been on the computer more than usual, which was about 10 hours for me over a week, right? I'm not one to use the computer a lot. But um, I was on it for about 10 hours over one particular week. I had been stressed that week. I was creating a website, writing a lot of copy, getting deadlines done for my website developer and snap overnight I woke up I tried to get on the computer and I felt so sick Um, and it became very apparent that this the illness I was feeling was related to using the computer is related to using the cell phone and I literally I couldn't um, use either one for more than a minute without feeling sick and so it greatly uh, limited my ability to interact in the world for a while for several months um, and my mom was helping me write emails and people friends were helping research what was happening for me because I couldn't do it myself I couldn't do it. I know in this day and age is that's very dehabilitating because we are so computer focused and technology focused yeah yeah just going to the doctor there was a computer at the receptionist desk and then the computer in the waiting room and the computer in the, um, in the doctor's office. And so life became very fearful. Like anywhere I went, I'm like, Oh my God, there's 10 people in here and they all have cell phones on and they're talking on them or they're using them when there's three computers over there. And so life became very skewed for me. It was, um, like I said, very fearful and, uh, and, 
it was teaching me a lot about uh, letting go because I kept wanting to try and control it and saying I can you know, manage this. And so I kept trying, I kept letting go of that. And six months after that began, I started to have chronic pain. And I had chronic pain in my uh, hips from hip bursitis, which I'd had for several years, but not to the severity I'd had it at this point. Um, and then chronic back pain. So that began six months after the EMF stuff started. Um, and that isolated my world more so. And I went into... Um, a state of intense anger and um which is uh, that has to be a sort of a weird place as a meditation teacher and mm-hmm. and focusing your life on being heart uh driven with your heart acting with your heart that yeah. anger that's quite a polarity you know it is. Yeah. And I had never experienced anger like that. Like I was in fits of rage and I didn't understand it. I didn't know where it was coming from. And this was after being in pain for about mm, like two and a half months or so. Um, pain that was, it was hard to focus on anything. You know, it was like at that level six pain, level seven, maybe. Um, and the 10, the one to 10 scale. And I was working with that in meditation. The one thing that I could do was a compassion meditation for myself. Like that was the one thing that was helpful was having compassion for myself during that time. And I moved forward with physical therapy. I start going to PT four days a week. Things are mildly shifting, not much. I start taking pain medications about four months after the pain began. And that, helped. It brought the pain down a couple notches so that I could start interacting some with the world. Um, Again, I wasn't able to be on the cell phone or the computer much. So I spent a lot of time in my house just lying on my back or I'd go out and walk. I could walk like a quarter mile and flat terrain and lie down on my thermorest and look up at the sky. Um, Which had to be so hard for you because you're such an active person. So active. Yeah. So it was a really different shift in perspective of life at this point. And um, I started noticing things, you know, forced me to slow down a lot and look at things. And I'm like, what's the freaking lesson in this? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> freaking growth opportunity. Awesome. And so I had my sarcastic side and, I was trying to find humor in it. And then I'm working with the anger and the pain and the EMF sensitivity. And I'm working with acceptance. I'm like, right, the Buddhist path, acceptance. I, you know, I can accept this. I can accept that I have pain. And then other moments I'm like, screw this. I don't want to accept. <laughs> exactly. I can't live like this, I you know. Life back, right? Yeah. And, um, and that led me to doing some research. So, uh, and again, not doing research online, I go to books. I am an avid reader and I love books. And someone I recommended this book called You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I love that book. Love it. and Love it so much. Everyone should read that exactly. book. Exactly. It's amazing. And so I started just in the first chapter. I was completely floored by what's possible when the author, Dr. Joe Dispenza, heals his back in nine weeks 
his broken back in nine weeks with his mind. Because didn't they, they told him he would never walk again, I thought. Yeah, without surgery, without having a metal walk. Yeah. Yeah, and that he'd be in pain the rest of his life. Um, and so he defied all statistics for me in that story. And I began to think, well, what if I could run again? And what if I could ride my bike again? And what if I could dance again? And, and I started to see life differently. And I started to shift my mindset and the anger eased considerably and I would spend these hour-long meditations imagining myself running and biking again instead of sitting in compassion and misery. Not that compassion is miserable, but it was a really big shift in the way that I had been thinking. And I- and it's a little bit different, right? Because in meditation, you're, I mean, you're not usually imagining your future so much per se. So that's a sort of a different type of meditation. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a really different way of meditating, like imagining myself healed versus being in a mindset of acceptance. Right. So started to mm-hmm. see in this different realm of like, okay, Acceptance is part of it, but it's not all of it because it will keep the body stuck in illness and disease and discomfort if we just keep accepting without imagining, without asking the what if I could do this again questions, right? And it really started to shift things for me. So I read that book, I was doing those meditations, and then someone else recommended, I read this book called Wired for Healing by Annie Hopper. I love that book too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I read this book and it has stories about people healing from EMF sensitivity and from chemical sensitivity and food sensitivities and mold sensitivities and Lyme's disease and PTSD and chronic pain and And I read this, I finished reading it, um, and I thought, this is what I need to go do this program. Like this, what if I could be healed of EMF sensitivity? And I, a month later, went to this program. It was down in Santa Fe is one place that they offer it. And I went down with my, um, all my treatment for my chronic pain. I had my thermarest to sit on. I had my pain meds. I had uh, ice packs for my hips. I had a heating pad for my back. Um, And I show up with all my accoutrements. And by the third day of this workshop, which again is utilizing the power of the mind to heal the body, um, I was, I ran 200 feet the third day. By the fourth day, I ran a quarter mile. Wow. I also threw That's amazing. That's amazing. I I know. I threw away my pain medication that day. I stopped using the Thermarest to sit on that day, the fourth day. By the fifth day, I went out for a good two-mile walk, which I never, I hadn't been able to do that for um, seven, six, six, seven, seven months, something like that. And, um, and then a week later, I was running two to three miles 
by three weeks later, I was running four to five miles. And after a month, I was running eight to 10 miles as much as I wanted. Elevation gain loss didn't matter. I could go out for three hour runs every day if I wanted with no rest days. And I'm still like that. So, wow. Yeah. What a, that's just amazing. And, and what is that? What are you doing yeah. to rewire your brain? Yeah. So, um, what I want to do is, uh, well, yeah, I'll answer that question and then get back, return to the EMF sensitivity and what happened with that. And, um, in rewiring the brain, and this goes for what Dr. Joe Dispenza writes about, as well as Annie Hopper, when we combine a future visualization, so we imagine ourselves healed, combine that with uh, an elevated emotional state of the heart, that sends out from our brain, it releases growth and repair chemicals such as serotonin, dopamine, endorphins that an oxytocin that go through the body and that actually cause the cells to regenerate, regenerate and grow versus being in survival and degenerate. So now you have the opposite of what chronic stress creates like cortisol and adrenaline. And you have these growth repair chemicals rush through the body that are a hundred times greater than any drug that you can take over the counter or prescribed and isn't that interesting you, that our our brain and our bodies can create uh, all these different hormones and drugs that are so much more powerful than what we're prescribed and they and there's no side effects you know yeah there's no side effects i mean it's all just benefit like meditation is it's all just benefit to have this flushing through your body for an hour a day and so that's why healings like that can happen so quickly is you have that happening and the cells this is really remarkable is the cells and though your whole body doesn't know whether you're thinking it or you're actually doing it so if you imagine yourself running your body's muscles are actually twitching as if they're running or if you imagine yourself lifting weights you can actually build muscle mass just by imagining yourself lifting weights so it's I've been I've been trying to do that with my stomach. <laughs> I've been imagining that six pack that I've never had. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys all know how that goes. Yeah, exactly. So you're doing the stomach crunches. All right. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a really um it's phenomenal. The body is amazing. And it doesn't mean, you know, everyone's going to have these miraculous healings in a few days like I did, it might take six months, it might take a year, but when you keep putting those growth repair chemicals through the body every day for an hour, minimum an hour a day, things start to change at some point. They will. And people are healing from all kinds of things that Western medicine says you can't be healed by, like Parkinson's disease and Lyme's disease and um, strokes and cancer. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. The power yeah. of our brain on everything, everything around us, it including is. our bodies. Remarkable. And when we have that elevated emotional state, that's also a frequency and energy that emanates out 
and other people pick that up whether they're conscious of it or not so it's not only you experiencing it you're sharing it's a ripple effect with the people around you so it's really powerful powerful stuff so that's one that's that's probably one of the more important pieces of that healing and there are other pieces like you begin to slowly train your body back into running or back into using computers or um, being around chem you know perfumes or things like that uh it's not like an all or nothing thing um and you elevate your emotional state as much as possible throughout the day because that shows over and over again how much that helps the body heal and um, and then another really important aspect is really shifting the way uh old patterns of the mind that keep you stuck like um for me i was body checking you know how much what's my pain like this morning what's number is it on the scale and focusing on the pain you have to stop doing that you have to stop talking about your illness or your injury or your ailment because that keeps the brain stuck in that injury or illness it's interesting you say that because i um i just had Ruth Phillips on the show and she helped she healed herself from cancer but that was the number one thing she said she's she didn't mention these books or anything but she said that was the number one thing is that she had to focus on health versus illness and that was the number one thing she that helped her yeah it's so critical and so important you have to the brain has to think greater than it feels like you have to think greater than you feel and think about health and not about illness. So, And sometimes I really wonder if that's even bigger, if that's a bigger picture so that we need to focus on, you know, the great things happening on the planet versus the continuous destruction or the people that are, you know, organic farming and doing all these great uh, farming practices versus the uh, pesticide issues. And I just, I wonder if as mass consciousness, as we focus on, and we all get, as a group, we all get so freaked out about certain issues. Exactly. But if if we could just move our attention to, wow, there's a whole group of people fighting for, or, or working with our water, trying to bring out all these, you know, water harvesting and using our water. And if we focus all of our energy on that, would we would the other stuff sort of just, you know, drift away because we're not focusing on exactly, it Exactly, so or lessen. Yeah. Be- At least lessen, less you know? Intense. And what you're speaking to, Teresa, is what Dr. Joe Dispenza calls the vibrational frequency. And it's not a woo-woo term. It's actually scientifically studied, like you can measure it with scientific equipment that every... Um, emotion has a frequency related to it and fear is one of those lower vibrational frequencies so when we're in a state of fear that's the frequency that's the energy that our body holds and it keeps everything working in a dysfunctional or incoherent uh, way and when we raise that vibrational frequency with looking at the good with the gratitude with the celebrations with the joy then that's the energy that's impacting ourselves and the planet in a really healthy way. And he does, he, you're right. He does talk about that because he, they, it's documented by them studying at the atom. Exactly. And the different energies. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah. So one, uh, um, I want to talk about the EMF healing because there's a really important piece in that uh, that I think people would really um, enjoy. Because you are, you, you are healed. You've healed your EMF. I am healed. Sensitivity. EMF sensitivity. And that, Woo-hoo. yeah, big celebration. <laughs> Freedom. Yeah, I to be back in the world. <laughs> so um, about, yeah, it had been a year of having EMF, EMF sensitivity and then I healed of the chronic pain. And then over about three months of doing this program of retraining my brain, it had dropped about 50% the sensitivity had. And then at about four months, I ended up uh, sleeping near a Wi-Fi modem for a couple nights, really close to one, which was outside my training zone, which is what they call when you, you do more than your, your limbic system is ready for the fight or flight part of your brain that's in overreactive mode. And, uh, and that became a really critical juncture where I was then going into the state of survival of not having a place that I could sleep because I was now sensitive to sleeping with Wi-Fi. And so I went on this seven, it was seven weeks of survival, like sleeping in these really gross places that didn't have Wi-Fi just so I could sleep. Because you couldn't be around. So your Wi-Fi sensitivity actually got a lot worse. It got worse. Um, And I was... Yeah, I was sleeping in these really gross places. I had happened to be in Costa Rica at the time. And I came back to California like, I'll go sleep, you know, go camping with my mom. My mom and I love to camp together. So, you know, we can go to the campgrounds and there won't be anything there. And then I discovered there's Wi-Fi in the campgrounds now with Wi-Fi. Oh, my gosh. They have Wi-Fi in the campgrounds. Well, you just can't get away from technology (laughs) anymore. Oh, the campgrounds, Wi-Fi coming from... um, different RVs. And so I was taking my thermorest and my sleeping bag and marching off into the hills and finding places to sleep. And then I thought, well, I'll go to my sister's place in Joshua Tree. She lives in the middle of the desert. You know, I'll be, I could at least sleep there. And I get there. My brother's like, oh, I just installed this super powerful Wi-Fi modem. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh. So, um, so this whole time, are you still trying to train your brain to be okay with EMFs? I'm still doing the practice, but I'm wallowing in doubts right now at this, you know, at this juncture, at this time period. I'm like, oh my God, what if I just need to go be a, one of those EMF refugees and go, you know, live out in the woods somewhere where I'm not around anybody and <laughs> no technology and I need to get a tent, you know, those, those, um, I forgot what they're called, but the, these canvas, these wired mesh tents you can sleep in. Oh, that protect you from it? Yeah. That protect. Huh. Like, what if I, I need to do that? Blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so I'm at my sister's and I, um, and I take her tent and I, I walk about a thousand feet from their house and I set it up in this private land next door um, away from anything. And that's where I stayed for the next month. Like I would sleep there at night and, um, and then spend a few hours in the house during the day, which I could manage to train myself and then go back to the tent and, um, and gain my strength back and uh, my energy back at that point. My, 
my sanity back because I felt like I was going crazy there for a while, like not having a safe place to sleep. And, uh, and then I got a coaching call from the program that I was doing. And that was really critical for me. I had a great coaching call. She got me back on track and um, helping me point out some things for myself. And, um, and then I came back to my hometown of Bozeman and I couldn't sleep in my house yet because that was in downtown Bozeman um, with Wi-Fi and the surrounding homes. So I had a dear friend that offered me a room in her house to sleep in who was out on this ranch. Um, and I slept at their house during the night and then I'd spend days at my house just training my brain to be back uh, in technology again. And there was a point during that time period, it's now been a year and a half of EMS sensitivity and six months into doing the program that I was doing. And I, um, I read this book called The White Book by Ramtha. And this was really incredible. And it was the same book that Dr. Joe Dispenza read when he healed his back nine weeks. Huh. I'll have to look that one yeah, up. The first half was, didn't resonate much for me, but the second half was so profound. And I, um, I picked that up and I started reading the, the passages that really resonated for me. And that's what I started meditating on. And what it talks about is when we hope for something, we hope to be healed there's still a lot of room for doubt and doubt has a pretty low vibrational frequency. So it keeps our, when we have a lot of doubt, it keeps our body in that illness, in that state of being, but it's a, for an important first step. We need hope to take that next step. Right. Um, and, and then belief is a higher frequency and it also still has room for doubt. You can believe and you can still have doubt, right? And yeah, and it's true. And it's also an important stage for us to go through believing that we can heal or believing we can shift our life in a certain way. Um, and once we move into the knowing, I know I am healed. I know I will heal. I know I'm healed. It eliminates all room for doubt. There is no room for doubt. And what can happen is when you're in that knowing state, the body can heal in an instant, a snap of a finger, the body can heal in that deep state of knowing. And so I started meditating on this, Teresa. I started meditating with this in mind. And I kept telling myself, I am healed. I am totally healed. I can do whatever I want. I can use the computer whenever I want. I can use the cell phone whenever I want. And I kept repeating it over and over and over again, an hour every day in meditation. And I incorporated it into my rewiring practice. And within four days of doing that, I could use the cell phone and the computer for the first time every day. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah. So the knowing, so what did you do with that. So you just started telling yourself that you are healed. Right. Yep. Exactly. I am, I am healed. So you jumped to, I am healed instead of 
I will be healed or. Yep. I am healed. I can use a computer every day. I can use a cell phone every day. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. And I kept saying that until it became deeper and deeper and deeper into my subconscious mind. And I even had these moments of like really incredible energy is how I would describe it, but it doesn't quite describe it. It's like this, like this incredible energy that was coming out of my chest. Like, um, yeah, I don't know the right words for it uh, to describe it, but it was it was really incredible experience to go to that deepest knowing. Yeah. This is such a great example of the power of the mind though. It is. When you clicked over and decided, I know I am healed. I am healed. Yep. The power of that is just like your brain clicked over and was okay with EMS that you had just been struggling with so hard. For, you know, over a year and a half. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was amazing. And I think, you know, it's an inter- you have to be at a, you have to be ready for that. Yep. You have to be ready. And so you were obviously ready for that information and ready to actively implement it in your life. Yeah. But it's so powerful. It just gives me goosebumps. Yeah, it was really incredible. And and I continued to do the rewiring practice I'd been doing for seven months by that point. Um, I continued doing with that. I totally believed in it and knew not more than believed. I knew the power of how much it shifted my life and I kept doing it. And two months, month and a half, no, five weeks after that, I could start sleeping with Wi-Fi again. And then I moved back in my house. And so it was a 10, 10 months total of sleep. That must have felt amazing to move back into your house. <laughs> the power of just being at home. Oh, again. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that was such a gift. And I would say to anyone who wants to heal or um, is struggling with that, like, you can heal. It is so, so within reach if you believe that you can heal you can heal and um and it's amazing like it's such it's been such a powerful experience for me it's what my calling is now is bringing meditation and the power of the mind to healing the body to being your most joyful vibrant self to bringing to light your dreams and your realities that you want to create, creating a new reality. And it's given me such an incredible shift in my life. Like I feel so much more joyful, grateful, happy, and at ease on a daily level, um, more so than I ever have in my life. And uh, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, thank you so much for sharing this story because it's just so empowering and it's a reminder to all of us, you know, that we are such powerful beings and something just like reading that white book and getting that information can change everything for, for you. Um, 
And so it's just so powerful. And I thank you so much for sharing your story and continuously sharing your story and helping others heal. And, um, and I want to tell people how uh, Angela is a great coach. She has a lot of great information on her website. I love her blogs. They make my days and they make me think about a lot of things. And um, so I want you, can you tell us how, what is your website and how can we get follow you and get a hold of you? You can reach me at AngelaMariePatnode.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-A. Marie is M-A-R-I-E and Patnode, P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, N-O-D-E.com. And there you'll have access to my free ebook, From Anxiety to Peace, Three Simple Steps to a Heart-Centered Meditation Practice. And once you sign up for that, you'll get information on what we talked about earlier with anxiety, the two types of anxiety that I referred to earlier in the podcast, and three really easy steps to start a daily meditation practice. And you can also reach me by my phone, 406-600-6307, or by email, info at angelamariepatno.com. Can't wait to hear from you, and thank you so much, Teresa, for today's chat. It's been a joy. Thank you so much, Angela. We'll have to have you back on, and it's just uh, been such a pleasure. I'm Teresa Gabrielle, and you've been listening to The Good with Teresa G., You can follow The Good with Teresa G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, go to the Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.